I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Cold open question of the week, Kaz. What's up, Dave? What would you rather do? Wrestle one War Games match as one of the first participants in, or take one flat back bump onto a bed of thumbtacks? Ooh, ah. Uh, okay, okay. This might sound a little crazy. This might mm-hmm. sound a little crazy. I feel like one flat back bump on a bed of thumbtacks, just one shot, just one boom, mm-hmm. in and out, get it out. Yeah. I think I'd rather do that. And I, I and I got a feeling that a bed of thumbtacks is a lot less terrifying than like one long ass thumbtack. You know? <laughs> that's, that's a better question. Would you rather have one horse-sized thumbtack or 100 duck-sized thumbtacks? Um, yeah. I think you're right. I think that's the right answer. I think I'd probably go with the with the uh, war games match just because of the glory that comes with it. But that's just I guess. Me. I'm, I'm I a guess, but uh, you don't get that. You don't get that great reaction of you ah and crawling off and everybody reacting to your back. That's a pretty glorious moment too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, and, and you and you would have earned your stripes, right? A bad showing in a war games match, you could just be, you know, frog marched out of the business. But but uh, <laughs> you know, you get that you get that big thumbtack spot, and everybody's like, yeah, Kaz, he's he's earned his stripes, man. He's, that's right. <laughs> That's right. He's he, one of us. <laughs> he might not, he might not be able to throw a drop kick, but man, he's he's one of us. All right, let's let's start the show. What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season One Champion Mike Lawrence. Husky Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WB superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to the And you're listening to You're listening to And you're listening to You are listening to The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to The Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you doing, man? Yo, I'm doing good, brother. How are you, man? I'm good. We're coming to you guys a little bit early this week. We're recording before Thursday. We're recording before Grand Slam, so we'll do a little previewing of it. Hopefully, it'll get up in time for you guys to appreciate that. But I'm actually um, heading to Grand Slam tonight. Which you're is headed there. Be fun. I'm heading there. Yeah, I'm taking off my my shill hat for a night. 
and uh, gonna be up in Arthur Ashe with the uh, with the with the boys. So this should be a fun one, man. And I haven't got to really enjoy like a live wrestling show in a minute, so I'm really looking forward to it. Who are you excited to see at Grand Slam? Man, uh, I'm the main event is gonna be awesome. I mean, Moxley and Danielson, obviously. I, I'm really interested to see where they take the the, the title. Uh, story, especially the summer that it's been. Uh, but man, that tag team match, uh, Swerve and Our Glory versus The Acclaimed, is uh, definitely that's 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 the match that confirmed I definitely got to be in the building. So uh, that's <laughs> the one I'm looking for. Well, we're gonna talk all about um, Grand Slam. But first, first, the Listen. big news of the week, which was uh, broken uh, on the ring. You broke com. the you broke the big news of the week, bro. <laughs> like don't. You're 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 very humble. They're very humble, but yes, you did break the, the wrestling news of the week. So pat in the back to you. Um, War Games is back. Uh, at least back on it, it, it's on the WWE main roster, and it's going to be <laughs> the new format for Survivor Series. So I talked to Triple H on Sunday evening, and um, and uh, rushed out a little piece. Actually, rushed out. I did a lot of rushing, but so did. Oliver Lee Bateman, who helped me write with uh, some of the history of, of uh, all of the history of war games, and and Jonathan Bartlett, our, our uh, intrepid illustrator who does a lot of work for WWE too. He's a freelancer for us, but works for us a good bit. And he he did some art for it the last minute and um, pulled this thing together. Of course, Phil Schneider um, wrote his top war games matches um, because that's the way, how Phil rolls. Excellent piece, very very good list a great list um with a lot of kind of surprising rankings at least from where i sit uh, compared to a lot of the other stuff on the on the net so everybody check all that stuff out some really good good wrestling content on the ringer.com but the big news is uh is that at survivor series in boston um saturday after thanksgiving we're not going to have regular five-on-five survivor series matches we're not going to have raw versus smackdown all that stuff's out the window um the new format, at least for the time being, is Survivor Series War Games, and there's going to be a men's War Games match and a women's War Games match. Um, I don't, I, I'm not sure if the women's War Games match is going to open the show, but I think that's a strong possibility. And um, and yeah, man, we got two big team matches in the cage. If if you like I um, spent much of the weekend watching every War Games match that you could possibly find. Uh, this is something to really be excited about. I mean, everybody knows it, but man, it's just a different kind of drama. When I first caught wind of this thing, I just had a vision of seeing Roman Reigns in the double cage, and I got actual chills. I, I mean, mm. I know, I know it's silly. All these guys do all kinds of stuff all the time to to blow our minds, but it's like. Dude, I mean, it's like it's like realizing that your Star Wars figures can ride in your GI Joe toys or something. It's just like this is <laughs> nuts, man. I got a, I got twice as many things to imagine now, and uh, it's. I mean, I think they they haven't announced anything, but all of the sort of subtext, the conversation, everything I, I talked to Triple H about, and we're, I think we're gonna play some sound of it through the course of the show. But so everything we talked about really sounded like we're talking about this is the main event of the night. It's existing faction warfare. All the talk about how much Triple H loved seeing the horsemen in these matches. I think it's a slam dunk. The bloodline is on one side of this thing. And that includes Roman Reigns. Um, and man, I mean, there's a million ways you can imagine who their competition is going to be. But it is just, it's it's just 
so cool to imagine. What do you think? Yeah, man, off rip, I just got to give props to you and that story because I think there was a lot of confusion on what the format was going to be. And I think for the past several years, the whole uh, brand supremacy era of the Survivor Series have kind of like worn out its welcome. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the last time they did it, I mean, it was cool. I think the last time they did it that was really cool was when NXT was involved and Keith Lee really uh, had an incredible sort of showing there despite a defeat. Um, but I, I, I don't think nobody fights, nobody's like repping the set of Raw or SmackDown like that anymore, right? So the war games aspect of it is extremely intriguing because far and away the most important group or the most important or impactful storyline in professional wrestling uh, on screen <laughs> Is the bloodline, right? Like, and, and everything that goes on with them. So immediately you're you're imagining, all right, who's gonna what's what's gonna be the coalition that's gonna step up and 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 take on the bloodline, right? I'm assuming it's gonna be at least five people or minimum three, minimum three, maximum five. And now I'm start like running in my head. I'm like, okay, you you got Imperium who is is sort of reformed, but they only have three people there. And you could kind of imagine where they could be, uh, you know, you could see uh, Seamus probably jumping in there or as far as like a, a mutual respect sort of thing with him and Gunther. I don't know. You know what I mean? But now that's where, that's where things get really interesting because now you can tell a story of who's going to take down the bloodline, right? Like now you can tell the story of Wow, Triple H just announced this huge event uh, mere weeks after, you know, I don't know how many people is going to be in Saudi Arabia, but zillions of people watching live uh, Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul. And everybody knows. And if they're smart, you know, don't make it a thing. Just say the bloodline is throwing down the challenge. Whoever wants to step up, you know what I mean? Like, step up. You know, I don't know if you put some belts on the line to sweeten the pot. Like, I don't know what you do because now it gets a little tricky. I don't know if you put the bloodline in that match with any, you know, it's it's hard to see them lose because they got damn near every championship in there. So that the group, well, any group that has to go up against them either has to be a faction that is very strong. And I don't think there's really been a strong faction to really go up against them at this point. Or just like some sort of like Avengers, like, you know, team of like just all stars just going up against uh, against the bloodline, you know. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they get there from here, especially since they've announced it so much with so much time in advance. Yeah, I mean, uh, time in advance. You mentioned Crown Jewel. Uh, and so, I mean, obviously a lot of a lot of Roman Reigns' time uh, between now and Thanksgiving is going to be taken up with with that. Although, you know, I'm guessing Logan Paul won't be there week in and week out. Maybe Roman won't either. And so, you know, who knows how much time they'll actually be spending on that. But yeah, I mean, if you look back at some of those great those great matches, those great old those great old war games matches in the NWA WCW days, it's the horsemen on one side, in various iterations and whatever, and then it is sort of an Avenger squad on the other side. You know, is Dusty Rhodes starts calling in favors or whatever. You know, the first one was Dusty and the Road Warriors and Paul Ellering, um, uh, all on the same squad, and and it was. Uh, 
you know, also and Nikita Koloff too. And and it was, you know, just kind of magical. So you could imagine a, a version of this where it's, you know, well, I mean, there's a, there's a kind of a long-term storytelling play where it's like all the dudes that Roman Reigns has beat, but only with like bloodline interference, you know, kind of, so you got, I think KO has a, has, has an argument. Um, McIntyre, obviously you could even, I think Braun Strowman has like a non-finish that's worked in there. Like what, I mean, there's, there's a lot of dudes like that who you could put together with the Usos in there. It's pretty easy to imagine that the, you know, that the street profits who have, you know, a string of kind of controversial or, you know, problematic finishes against them could, could be worked in, um, I don't know, man. It, there's there's a lot of ways they could go with it too. I mean, and, and then you could do a more straightforward, you know, something more, something a little bit simpler. I mean, I think the big question is: is it going to be four people or five people? And 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 the with that really, how that really bears out is: does that mean is, is Sami Zayn still a member of the Bloodline at Survivor Series? I hope that he is, or has he been booted out and now? He's on the other side, right? Because um, then you could do KO and Sami on the same team and and just sort of do it that way. I, and that you know, if you put a tag team in there, that's half the squad. But I mean, that's 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 the whole squad, um, right? But uh, I hope they keep Sammy in there. I like the five person, the five on five format, and I and 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 that would be a good moment for the Sammy Zayn thing to come to a head too, if that's really where they're going, rather than to let it sort of, you know, disappear earlier. Um, but man, it's I mean, it's it's going to be exciting. And then on the women's side. I'm about to I mean, say we got a dark horse as well. I mean, there's, there's the dark horse uh, choice there is Judgment Day, right? Like they sort of teased AJ Styles and Finn Balor this week. You know what I mean? With AJ possibly, maybe, you know what I mean? Starting to think about uh, Judgment Day, whatever. So that's four people right there with Dominic and Damian Priest. You know what I mean? I don't know how they get there with the bloodline, but I mean, that's the only faction or potential faction I could see uh, usurping, uh, you know, uh, some sort of Avengers level uh, type of team that gets those guys together. So, um, yeah, man. So on the women's side, what do you think about the women's side? Uh, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of it. It's, you know, damage control on one side and and um, Bianca Belair, uh, Asuka, and, um, and what's her fucking name? Bian- Alexa Bliss. Sorry, yeah. let's take that again. How about to say Bianca you, and, the, and the Rockettes? <laughs> oh, let me take that again. You got damage control on one side, and then you have Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss on the other side, and then you could, you know, put in the former women's tag team champs, uh, Raquel and Aaliyah, and then, you know, toxic attraction or somebody on the heel side. Um, there's, there's a couple of different ways you can go at it, but I think the damage control is the big heel faction is going to be the angle there. Mm. Um, you know, in NXT, they've also done, you know, multiple three person teams. They didn't, they, they did three, three person teams one year so that, you know, that they could, they could pull that off too. I don't think there's going to be any specific rules to this. The only thing Word. really confirmed is that there's one of each and there's still no roof on the cage, which a lot of people continue to have issues with. I mean, listen, the, the, the roof on the cage is pretty awesome, but as triple H said, and we can roll, let's roll, we can roll a little piece of this tape. You know, it's funny when we first started redoing them, people were all upset that we didn't have a top on the cage and everything. And I was like, well, we already have one with a top on the cage, Alan the Cell. And the other thing is I used to, it used to drive me nuts when I was a kid because the cage was too short. And then, you know, you'd see like what happened with Pillman where, he, you know, he got put up for a power bomb and it was in enough space. And, you know, it just, th- those were kind of things, not that you couldn't make it bigger, but I always felt like it was, 
when we started doing it was sort of the, the next evolution of, of war games was not nah, nah, taking the top off. You make it so that people sort of can't get in or out. If you do, you're, you're, uh, it's like you're submitting, but, um, it allows you to do so much more stuff because in this generation, look in the old generation, no one was about to jump off the top of that cage. Uh, then, you know, and, and now it's a lot different, right? The, the times have changed, the business has evolved and the cage that war games is held in needed to evolve too. But, but I loved it growing up and I always felt like um, it was a great concept. So, you know, the the roof is cool, but, it's, it limits what people can do and you just don't, and it's, you know, history. And what tradition. people could see, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's pretty hard to see in there when there's a roof on top, you know, there's already a lot of chain link fences. That's kind of obstructing the views of the folks in Boston. So, you know, take it off, man. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, and listen, you just don't get the same pop from a, from a, you know, rubbing someone's oh, uh, face on the chain link spot as you used to, you know, I was, I was watching one. I don't remember if it was the first one or the second one. Cause they were on the same great American bash tour that first year, but there was, but like, honestly, one of the biggest pops of the entire, and the crowd went nuts the entire time. I mean, the, both those bad, that first year, people were just screeching the entire way through. But one of the biggest pops of the match was, um, animal and dusty roads hitting a double drop kick. Like they, they, they like, they both drop kicked somebody. I don't even remember who it was to, uh, the uh, war machine or somebody. And the crowd just went nuts, you know? I mean, and, nice. the, and what are you going to do? A double drop kick. You can't, you can't get that sort of reaction anymore. So yeah, taking the top off that way they can do more fun stuff. Also, where's Ricochet going to jump off of if there's a roof on the cage? You know well, what that's I mean? A good, like, so so is, is Ricochet in this match? Are we going to, are we going to pencil in the high spot guy? I mean, there's got to be a high spot guy. If we're, if we're going, the, if we're going the route of uh, different three man teams, I could see a, a, a way where Ricochet gets in there. He's got War Games experience. He had that incredible double backflip in the NXT mm -hmm. uh, War Games match. I mean, he got Ciampa with experience. He got Gargano with experience. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of ways you can go with it. But I mean, you got to have somebody in there that's gonna do some wild stuff. So I feel like Ricochet. You know, they'll figure out a way to get him in there. I'll promise. I'll, I, I could I could guarantee that. <laughs> or somehow. Yeah, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense because, listen, the card is not going to be just two War Games matches, right? So you got to figure out something else to do. So, is you know, maybe you do Gargano Austin Theory on the, or just Austin Theory doing something else because he's, you know, I don't know if putting him with a bunch of baby faces is necessarily the right look, but it could be. It could That could totally work. Um, and you could... Definitely see a world in which we you have, you know, McIntyre and Karrion Cross kind of off on the side doing their own thing, which mm -hmm. takes them out of content would take them out of contention, obviously. I mean, I, I think Kevin Owens is is elite, no pun intended. Um so but but at some point, you know, you gotta figure out who the big the the big, big, big the other big names on that babyface team would be. Mm -hmm. Um and I mean it doesn't have to be John Cena, but it has to be a bunch of people that at least have enough, you know, beef with the bloodline to really make it worthwhile. But there's a lot of there's a lot of potential out there. I just I yeah. can't wait, man. I can't wait to see what they do inside in in that cage. I, I just can't. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. I can't wait either, man. It's one of those things I wish they've done in the main roster for a long time. I love that something that is a uh, and and I guess we could say that a lot about the Triple H era. I love that like nothing is sacred. 
in a good way, right? Like people aren't like, they aren't so married to ideas that they can't tweak or change some things or update certain things to make it uh, feel new and fresh. And this is one of those examples, man. I mean, it, it, the Survivor Series has always been a team-oriented event, mm-hmm. right? It's the one like team-oriented like paper premium live event that really, you know, has to tell the story of unity. You know what I mean? And after a while, I mean, the Raw SmackDown thing, when people are bouncing back and forth, I mean, storyline-wise, you know, you could only care so much. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's it weird. looks like they're taking a it looks like they're taking a punt on the I mean they're punting the the draft. It, that's not on the calendar right now. Uh, it might come, it might appear out of nowhere, it might come soon after war games, who knows. Yeah. Um but it, it's not going to be this like it was last year where you have the draft and then like 20 minutes later different these dudes are have to fight for the fight for brand supremacy. I mean, <laughs> listen, this is not a thing from Triple H. It's nothing to do with him or any of the people I talked to for that interview, but you get I'm sure you've heard it too. The more the Triple H era has has kind of taken hold and the more that people feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, joking around about the previous regime, I don't think anything has taken it as hard as the Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match. I mean, you just got people like <laughs> openly joking about it, you know? <laughs> and um, and I, I think that, you know, it makes a lot of sense for that to, for that to, you know, say farewell. If you can't take, if you're not going to take it seriously, if it's not going to be like, I mean, who even watches the Pro Bowl? But if it's not going to be like that, or it's not going to be like the World Series or something when it's Raw versus SmackDown, um, then what's the point yeah it kind of feels like the pro bowl at this point right like it's like uh you know the t-shirts eh, you know what i mean like the last time it really had any sort of it wasn't so much about brand supremacy it's like man like at least give me something to prove you know and after a while when there's nothing to really prove about like if raw is better or smackdown's better or nxt is better that was the last time anybody really gave a mess about it because NXT rolled into SmackDown with a tank and like 20 guys that the mainstream wrestling fan never really heard of. And Keith Lee became a star. Riddle got his first main roster experience. I mean, a lot of good things came from that. Tommaso Ciampa showed he could hang. And like, you know, there's not a whole lot that you could change after that. So uh, props to them, man. I'm really excited to see where War Games goes. And um, I'm more excited for the build, though. I want to see how they get there. Right. So I talked to Triple H. One of the questions I asked him that didn't it, it didn't make the piece. What was we'll roll the audio of it is how the what the the platonic ideal sort of of a war games match is. Like what's the what is the what is the purpose of war games? How is war games best used? Yeah. Um, and we'll let's roll that right now. I was watching old old tape the past couple of nights, and I and I found a a flare promo where he says. You fans out there want to see somebody get their ass kicked, and that's why this match was put together. Talking about war games, is that is that the most sort of intrinsic thing to you about war games? That it's just like like this, like the the final straw in a long running feud between faction. I mean, what what makes it what defines war games to you? I I think it can be that I then I I you know if it's if it's the final chapter in this like long ongoing feud I think it can be the, the a moment in time where like just all these highest of level talent come together 
right? And even just when you're thinking about the five on five, you're thinking about like, oh my God, what's that moment when this, if there's a moment when this person gets with that person and I haven't seen that much, like that's a holy shit moment. Like just what's going to happen right there, all of that. So when, and then you put it inside of a cage and it's, it's, you know, cages can also be very limiting, right? So if you just had the cage, like in the old days, as I was saying, uh, you go back to those first ones, it's very simplistic, but the world was more simple. The, the, what you gave them as a product could be more simple. Now, you know, you, once you've gone to those places, uh, you, you know, when, when you talk about the horsemen and Dusty and the Road Warriors and all those guys, it wasn't like they were putting people through tables <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff, right? There wasn't, that wasn't really a part of the equation back then. It is now. And once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in there. So that's what, that's what people want to see now. So give that to them and give them that sort of, ultimate blow off so to speak or or even if it's not a blow off of a massive storyline it's at least like wow this is just going to be carnage like this is going to be crazy i can't wait to see it and i know this person's going to do something crazy probably off the top or this person's going to do you know uh is is into the 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 more aggressive and and gimmicks and all those things so if if you can get to that place where where they're going to have that opportunity as well in that environment, man, it's just something I have to see. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Anyway, it was, I mean, listen, it's... Uh, Triple H is, and obviously I'm a paid show, but <laughs> are we all? I mean, I talked to a lot of wrestlers for this book of wrestling podcast, by the way, new episode out today as I'm recording this, a part one of the Hell in a Cell match, Mick Foley versus The Undertaker. I talked to JR. Uh, oh, wow. You know, Forbidden Door smashed. Um, and I talked to Sean Grandy, the Celtics play by play guy, too. Uh, there's a lot about. Jim Ross's call in this story. I was about to say, what's the what's the what's the connection there? That's weird. Uh, basically, well, Grandy's friends with Mick Foley and and Jr. But but really, okay. it's like we've people have told every every episode of the Book of Wrestling. I try to kind of find a new way in, and people have told the mankind story so many times that or the, the Mick Foley story so many times that I I just ended up kind of wanting to tell the story of the greatest pro wrestling call of all time and potentially mm -hmm. one of the greatest sports calls of all time. And that's, you know, what Sean Grandy's my 
uh, the expert I went to for that. But oh, anyway, that's a fact. Yeah. I talked to, I talked over the course of doing this thing, I've talked to so many wrestlers, right? I mean, I talked to, I talked to all the guys in DX. I, I, I talked to uh, Kane. I talked to Ron Simmons, one of the great, one of my favorite ones of all, <laughs> was just Ron Simmons, just like, just the, the greatest interview. I mean, the greatest, just like, I don't give a shit interview of all time. Not like in a bad <laughs> way, like, like all bets are off with Ron Simmons. Right, same with the Godfather, right. same with Godfather, but in a totally different way, all bets are off. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I just talked to so many people um, over the, uh, over the past several months. Uh, Triple H is fun to talk to. Triple H is really fun to talk. He's always like kind of surprisingly unguarded. Although I think there was some stuff in this interview that showed a little bit of, you know, he's got e even more of an important corporate job than he did before. Um, mm. But from the very first time I met Triple H in person, uh, and I know everybody gets this vibe, but I think that the, that the sort of the book on Triple H in a large part is kind of true. Like, like the very first time I met him, I was with Simmons and we just like shot the shit about the wrestling we watched as kids for like 45 minutes. Like that was, yeah. he was like, he was, we actually, we watched different stuff, Triple H and I growing up, but we both had this sort of very, and Bill too actually, but had, had a very lucky upbringing as a wrestling fan. And the fact that we both kind of managed to get like five different wrestling broadcasts over our childhood, right? So we just had <laughs> all these different shows that were just like, you know, stuck in our brain from the earliest stage. And, you know, Triple H just loves this shit, man. And he by loves the way, this shit, man. and from a business point of view, it's a really smart move because he's just sort of gets to chip away at all the way, all the things that makes the competition feel different, right? I mean, he's he's he he and he gets to and, and, and in a bigger sense, and I think more importantly, he it it shows that WWE is what they will say is, oh, you know, Nick Khan used the phrase open for business, but they're, they're open to wrestling history. They're like, they've, they've, they're not just this insular thing anymore. Right. They talk about PWG on the broadcast, yeah. you know, and they talk, oh whatever God, it's like, yeah. it's, and then they embrace all of wrestling history. Actually, Triple H talked about this too. Hold on, let me hit the, play that real quick. What is, uh, what do you think this decision to bring more games in says, um, about WWE sort of embracing pro wrestling history in a new way? Is that, is that a fair way to put that? I mean, I guess it's just an evolution, you know, and, and how you see things and how you see the product. And, and I'm always been a, um, I've always been a, a, a believer and an advocate of history. And, and we are as a company, we always have been. It's why we do hall of fame It's why we, you know, do a lot of the stuff we do. But I think, it, for me, it's, it's really close to home for me. And it's something that I believe in. It's why when we went to the clash uh, recently in Cardiff, I had Johnny Saint there mm -hmm. and I had uh, Adrian street there because, you know, and, and even Brett there, I, I wanted them to, to, and you know, all those years later after the moment that he had with Davy boy in 92, I wanted him to be there to, to witness us coming back uh to that stadium event and and i felt like he needed to be a part of it in, in some manner if he could and you know uh adrian street being from wales and like I, I, one of my favorite memories of that day is adrian walking in and, and just seeing him walk out through the through the entranceway outside a gorilla position for a second and seeing his eyes light up seeing that stadium and i was trying to put myself in his head of like man, how much the business has changed. And can you look, look at this, right? Like it's, it's, 
it's a world of difference from the guy that was, you know, wrestling in front of a, a few hundred people on the carnival circuit, really, or the circus route in, in Wales and in London and all yeah. that stuff. You know, that's where he started, right? And and to see that to see that happen through his eyes. I love that stuff. And and so to me, the history of it, the the past, you, you have to move forward and you have to embrace the future. You can't live in the past, but to but to to touch on it now and then to honor it. And sometimes what's old is new. So if it's right, if it feels like it's right, then let's go. But as you know, for him, it's like this is it's just go it 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 just sort of goes without saying. You know, uh, it, and it's it, it seems obvious. It should have always been obvious. And I think some of this is definitely a business decision, it feels like. But it's oh, all. I'll tell it, you, man. But but it's business in the sense that, like, the WWE was sort of making a huge unforced error by not doing it before. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I got a unique relationship with, with Hunt, Triple H being, uh, uh, I guess, my former boss or somebody in my former report. And uh, I, I'll tell you this, man, the days that uh, Vince couldn't make TV or Vince was only doing Raw and was not going to be at SmackDown, there was definitely a better vibe backstage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there was definitely a much more of it. Because like you said, man, like, he, he loves this shit and he approaches it from a vantage point of, not just being somebody who it's my way or the highway, not just being somebody who's a big fan of this, but like he has this unique position of being one of the most important figures in wrestling history as well. And, you know, on top of that, even before I was thinking about this the other day, man, and this might take us on a, on a completely different tangent, but since we got Triple H on the show, I'll just talk to you about it. Even before he even had any sort of, power backstage like the biggest decision he probably ever made and this is gonna upset a lot of people was probably being on board with the screw job right like that was the first big like pull your big boy pants up decision that they've ever had to make and if you've i've seen every screw job documentary that there is to make and every single one tells you you know repeats the same the same quote that Triple H says, where I'm loosely, you know, uh, I'm going to riff here. But he basically said, you know, fuck Brett. If he doesn't want to do business, we'll do business for him. You know what I'm saying? And obviously, for years, probably decades, vilified for that. You know what I mean? And if you're looking stri str strictly off of the results of that, what happened afterwards, um, and just being a long-term strategic planner. Do you think, Dave, that Triple H ever becomes the head of... Do you ever think Triple H gets to where he is if he's not the first person to say, fuck Brett, we got to do this with or without him, <laughs> and just see the trajectory from there? Like, how different is the trajectory if, if Hunter's just like, and eh, let's just, you know... Let's just do the, the, the schmaz that he's trying to do. And then, you know, whatever, whatever. The screw job never happens. Vince McMahon never becomes a main character on the show. DX never becomes DX. Like, Sean doesn't retire. WWF loses another main event player guy. So oh, yeah. more main event guys got to step up. There's so many dominoes that fell. The screw job is what the screw job is, right? Terrible thing. 
terrible for Brett. I'm a huge Bret Hart fan, all that type of stuff. But if you just take yourself out of it and just look at all the ramifications of what happened, does he get to this position if he's not the person to step up and be like, yo, I, let's do this shit? I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to imagine. I mean, I do think that there, and, and I don't know That's a ballsy choice. I don't, I don't know any of this from talking to him uh, or to Sean or anybody else. But it, it does sort of feel like at some point that Triple H had an, imp- uh, an important role as the sort of Shawn Michaels translator and yes. a- a backstage. Yeah. Because Vince yeah. loved Shawn more than, I mean, literally probably more than he loves his kids. And, and <laughs> it, it, you know, at that point in time, he was just obsessed with him. But Sean was not like a particularly good coworker, you know, not a particularly no. good partner or whatever. He'll I tell you Sean, himself. <laughs> it, I heard Sean say that not too long ago where he was just like, like, dude, I, I think I said this on the show recently, but he was just like, I, I had all the money I would ever need in my life. I was unmarried. I was, you know, I was in my what 30s. Like, like I would have just quit and they knew it. Like it wasn't even that big of a deal, you know? And so he mm-hmm. just, that's why he was able to, pull, to, to be such a jerk the whole time. But anyway, um, yeah, I, you know, and, and it's before long, Triple H is basically working in the office. Um, so I do think that his, his role back there was, was probably pretty significant in terms of just like helping Vince McMahon like translating, like what the attitude yeah. era was going to be to a guy who in Vince who was trying to wrap his head around what wrestling could be in the new era, you know. And yeah. I don't know, man. You're, but you're right. I mean, it's it's interesting. Who knows if we'd be where we are? I think Triple H would have. It's like, it's know, like the butterfly effect of wrestling, man. Like it's it's like the Big Bang of what we see as professional wrestling now. Like as far as what we see backstage, internet rumors. Uh, what mm-hmm. happens with the main event in the WCW and WWF? Where WWF takes their pro- WWE takes their product afterwards, getting more adult, getting leaning more into the attitude and 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 the, and the crudeness of it all. Like there was so many, it was so many dominoes there that it's like Triple H is only uniquely positioned. He's uniquely there's only there's only maybe one other person on this planet that was uniquely qualified to ever replace Vince McMahon and he's married to her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy how that guy has become this guy. <laughs> I'll put it like that. Like if you go back and watch like wrestling with shadows or any like old school, like WWF documentary or anything, talk about the screw job or anything, just even in the early first run of DX, it's hard to imagine looking at that guy and being like, yeah, he's going to replace Vince one day. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's even harder to look at Sean back in the day and say, this guy's going to be like the grandfatherly head. He's going to be the Jim Ross. He's going to be the Jim Ross of the company. <laughs> helping, helping the youngsters along and what, what like crunching videotape with Swerve. And, you know, I mean, just it's just yeah. nuts to think about that, too. Um, of course, we've a- I asked him all that stuff, like how nuts it is that I think that was probably in one of the earlier podcasts. But how wild it is that those are the guys that look at look at them at DX in their earliest moments, just like trying to emasculate Vince live on the air without any <laughs> without any planning, and then that those are the people who take over the company. It's just kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's interesting. 
but it's a, he's a lot of fun to talk to. I mean, that's the whole point of what I'm trying to say. He's a, he's a he's a smart dude who really loves yeah. wrestling. Would it, would this have happened yeah. if he hadn't have done that? I mean, maybe he might still be here. But he, I mean, if if he wasn't here, he'd probably be you know running his own wrestling company somewhere because he loves. If it. you're blessed, yeah. if you're blessed to ever have a wrestling combo with Triple H, cherish that shit because it really is. He yeah, he he loves it, and you could tell. You can tell by the product. You're all watching. You know what's going on. Makes well, let's talk about what's it. going on. We're gonna we'll get to AEW in a second. Let's talk about what do you think about the. Um, just because it's, we're doing it early this week, we, we can lean on Raw. What do you take, think about this like QR code white rabbit stuff that's going on? Yeah, did you see that? That was kind of creepy, right? Yeah. Like, did, you, did you watch the actual videos? Like who, yeah. who ended the world or who killed the world? And it was like, you did. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, man. I, that's I, actually, I, people have done the, you know, the internet sleuths have found that's actually yeah. lifted almost word for word from an existing Bray Wyatt interview that he did with Michael uh, Cole way back when, when he was still wearing the fedora. Yes, this was, when I Bray think was wearing the fedora, not was behind Cole. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I got to see Michael Cole in the fedora. Um, nah, it's, uh, all signs are pointing to Bray. I think Ariel Hawani or somebody asked Triple H uh, about these vignettes and what they meant and he said quote somebody nobody is talking about so i mean mm. a lot of people are talking about bray mm. even a smaller amount of people are saying hey maybe it has to do a carrying cross yeah because he played the white rabbit in uh in lucha underground that'd right. be a really weird look for him that'd be extremely I mean, weird but yeah i think i think it's got to be bray i mean unless it's uh, this is this goes back. This is the the every wrestling, you know, debut lesson that we've learned every single time. If everybody's saying it's somebody, then whoever it is is either going to be that person or bigger, a bigger star than that person. So who's a bigger mm-hmm. holy shit moment than Bray Wyatt returning? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, uh, gosh, I who. Alistair Black, maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, it would have to get be, a serious if it's non-compete not, on that one. Unless it's like Shane McMahon true. in gimmick. I can't. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, if it's not Bray, I, it would have to be somebody uh, that is coming over from the competition that nobody could see coming. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I do not know. But that's my favorite part of professional. It's one of my favorite parts. The mysterious debut. The who is it going to be? The Y2J countdowns. The, you know, he's coming. The Veer is coming. All the time. Anytime you got a countdown for somebody, I'm always excited. When that person that's making that countdown is making you do the work to do to put the pieces together and become internet sleuths and get people talking, yeah, it's even better. And I feel like, I mean, it would make all the sense in the world. This is right. This is all. This is right up Bray Wyatt's alley, right? Like this. This is right up his alley as far as like Easter eggs and doing no, stuff and it's all it's gotta it's gotta attention. be Bray and I'll tell you why one because yeah. all of this there's so much of this stuff that is is like seems to reference Bray um there was that whole Bray in the top hat like gimmick that he did in the Firefly Funhouse one time that they released as an action figure and then it never really amounted to anything there had to be more more planned for that thing right so you so mm-hmm. presumably some of this is already beating has already been pieced together but I think more than anything, it's that that the story leaked out, quote unquote, leaked out that discussions discussions about Bray, you know, signing a new contract with WWE had stalled, and then like 15 minutes later, these little teasers start happening, and it didn't seem like it was Bray right away. But if you go back, it was right after that story leaked, and that's yeah. from now on. I think we should keep a close eye every time that somebody 
every time a story gets out that conversations have stalled because that's what happened with Braun Strowman, I think. That's what, you know, like every now, yeah. I, I think they have, I think WWE's figured out a way to let every to, to get that, to get those rumors started right when they well, want you, them well, to be believed. Well, stalled doesn't have to be taken negatively. It could have stalled because they came to an agreement. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, like we're good now. So that's what it's it like is. My, car, my car stalled, but thankfully, but I was right in front of the store is why. I or, just, you know, I was shifting <laughs> it gears. It stalled, but I was uphill. So like yeah. I just rolled down the rest of the street. <laughs> it was um, all good. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think it's, it's really cool, man. I mean, it's just such, it's not, this isn't ABC. Like it's so basic, but. There is no other. You talk about the things that pro wrestling can do that other things that other you know art forms or sports or whatever can't do. I mean, you can't you can't pull off having somebody walk through the crowd with a QR code just about anywhere else and have people and have it pass as I'm not sure if that was planned or not. Being able mm. to to toy with what's planned and what's organic, what's real and what's fake. That's that's a thing that wrestling can do. It's like nobody else can do. Right. And it and it's just so smart to be messing around with that. Um and that's what gets people talking, you know, just the whole it's like, is, is it a work? Is it a shoot? And then even if you're convinced it's a work, it's like you're 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 standing up and applauding, you know, because you made me think for 30 seconds. It's 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 really, really smart. Yeah. I I, I think, go ahead and say 90% of being an adult wrestling fan is being worked. If you're a talent, I think your job is to like, I'm going to get everybody. I'm. It's easy to fool the mainstream guys. I want to fool those nerds that really think they know everything, that watch everything on the internet, that do all the digging. Like when you fool, when you got those guys talking and thinking, I think that's what really gets like a wrestler's juices flowing. All right. When they could really get them talking, mm-hmm. that's, that's the dopeness. Um, Gosh, they said she, he said it's somebody nobody's talking about. Can I interest you in like a Sasha Banks? Like, is that yeah, like could, could it could be could be like Charlotte hasn't been around for a while. Like, there's a lot of people out there that would be just as big or equal to um, in stature. Maybe not in, as far as returns are concerned, but you know Charlotte and Sasha. I don't know if they're the White Rabbit or anything, but I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing things out there just in case. We we've been had again because all signs do point to well, a William Rotunda return. Well, that actually I was about to say the exact same that same name. If you say it's, mm. it's someone nobody's talking about, you could be like, well, every, people are talking about the Fiend or people are talking about Bray Wyatt. Nobody's talking about Husky Hair. Nobody's talking about Wyndham <laughs> Rotunda. You know, like I mean, yeah. it could be it could be as simple as that, or it could just be a lie. You know, who cares? It's it's, it's you got you got to work the crowd a little bit, right? Oh yeah. Um, but I agree. I, I mean, it's it's. I think the big, the big question mark though with Bray is that he's always been a fucking A plus gimmick. It's always been A plus in promo packages and, and 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 promos and outside the ring stuff. And then, and he's not. It's not that he's bad in the ring. He's actually really good in the ring. It's that the characters don't always translate in the ring, right? I mean, what do you do with the fiend who can't be hurt? Well, we saw them try, you know, what do you, what do you do? Even some of even peak Bray Wyatt, you know, is there's a little bit of, um, he's a little bit limited by the fact that he's like still 75% gimmick in the ring. You know I mean? He's like, mm-hmm. everything is a, everything is a performance a little bit. And, and, and they just have to figure out how to make that work. And frankly, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, there's the things that 
it, the, one of the hardest things for me in the transition to the new era of WWE is to shake my brain loose from believing all believing things are impossible because yeah. we were just been told they were impossible for so long. And yeah. then you look at it and you're like, oh no, not only possible, but like really easy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that it, it'll it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, I think it, when it, when it comes to Bray, I think a lot of people are, are looking back at it with rose colored glasses. You know, like you're right. The gimmick was always A+. The in-ring work was always strong. But there was definitely a few missteps. You know what I mean? There's definitely been moments in Bray's sort of career where folks are like, huh, that was... I wouldn't have done that. That was silly. Yeah. I think Bray felt that too. You know what I mean? And I think yep. that's why Bray was so adamant about not just popping up on AEW or popping up at some other wrestling company or even just... You know, he's extremely protective of his character, of, of all the people that I've even... I never really got to work with Bray that much. When I got there, he had just mm -hmm. ended, um, you know, he had just ended his run with uh, Matt Hardy for a while. And then, uh, yeah. you know, he was coming back and I'd see him in Stanford and he would come in Stanford and he would just have all of these like uh, diagrams and illustrations and like... Just, you know, I started to see, like, the first sort of ideation of what would eventually become The Fiend, right? Uh-huh. And, like, just, like, just seeing how his mind works. It's almost like watching, like, a horror film director and, like, just seeing, like, those, like, those illustrations were, like, scary enough. And I'm like, how's he going to pull this off? Like, this doesn't even look like something a real face can do, right? Because you initially seen, like, the mask and how it's constructed. And then you see the way it comes out and like the final product. And they're just like, holy shit, this guy's on some next shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, 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 but yes, like I said, there's definitely a little bit of a, a convenient amnesia when it comes to Bray, because there's definitely been times where, you know, uh, he either like the matches with like, you know, we remember, what was it? Crown Jewel or that mm -hmm. red or the red or the red, uh, the red. Hell in a Cell match with, with the, Seth, the, yeah. the no contest and stuff like that. I mean, there was moments even as the original Bray where we kind of thought it was going to be his time and it didn't really happen, you know? Yeah. And Well, I think that the biggest thing is he's going to be working with, you know, a head of creative now that is going to be, that seems to be committed to long-term storytelling, right? And yeah. that's, and that's, I think in a lot of ways that was lacking at the top level in his previous runs, right? You can't, you can't have a creative force like Bray. And I don't think he's, you know, I don't have any reason to, I've never worked with the guy. I don't know if he's a, is a, wonder, a wonder to work with or, you know, if he's if he's difficult at times or what, but you can't have somebody who's clearly as much of a creative force as him and then- Be limited. And then change plans every two weeks. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, the, the Bray's out there writing novels, you know, he's writing epics. Um, I think I've said this before, but like, I, this is a small thing, but it really gets to the heart of of him him as a create you know him as a, creating these characters and these ideas. I was talking to somebody about the masks, about the the fiend mask, and and um, and they were just like, "Yeah, we're doing a photo shoot, and like, you know, he can't he can't really turn his head or he can't really show his feet." And I was just like, "Oh wait, so it, did he have a different mask for the ring and for?" like close-ups because like Rey Mysterio does that right he's got like a he's mm -hmm. got like a ring he's got like ring masks and he's got like uh, I don't think he has close-up masks he has ring masks like and he has like shoot masks he has, no he has like public appearance masks he like like if you see him in an interview he's basically wearing like a like a, a panty you know <laughs> 
<laughs> he's, yeah. he's wearing a, he's wearing something that's like very like low key comfortable like silk whatever that's not strapped on super tight. They, they it's slip a different off thing. very quickly, you know. Yeah. Like if you just go like this, it comes off. But these uh, ring masks have like the mask thing underneath. They're which a lot is tougher. Almost like but a, Braze is the reverse, like I guess, kind of. He's got like a serious like like horror movie like whatever like super you know articulated mask for photo shoots or whatever else. He's got one for the ring, but he's actually, but that's not it. He's got like six different masks for different occasions mm. that are all mm -hmm. the same mask, but it's like he's it's just very well considered. You know, someone's he's out there thinking about this shit. Anyway, I hope that we see him come back. I hope that I mean it's it'll be he's certainly one of the few big 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 names who's left out there and uh i agree now that now that stroman's back i mean i hope there's i think there's probably going to be some other ones too but we'll see what about jay white what about jay white coming in as the white rabbit he could do that he's got the crazy goatee and the he could put on a top hat <laughs> I'm trying to think Yo, of who no one's that. talking about for WWE that they could. I they don't could, hate that, honestly. Like Jay, a Jay White, Seth Rollins program would rock my socks. Oh. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that would be some good, good shit. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if it's, hmm, the White Rabbit, Jay White, Switchblade. Let's let the rumor mill start, Dave. Because if it's not Bray Wyatt, now that I talked to Triple H like this week, everyone's gonna think I know stuff. I don't know shit that I didn't write about, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's lying to you, people. He knows everything. He knows it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, he when I talked to him, he said he just got done writing Raw with the team. So I was like, well, you're working on Sunday still. I guess not everything's changed, but at least they're not writing. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Was it wasn't it wasn't three in the morning? I guess they could, nice. they, they can all they can all have dinner with their families or whatever. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Um, anyway, you want to talk a little about Grand Slam? You want to do some predictions and try to get this thing out in time, time for people to care about it? Um, Hell yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, let's run down the card. What we got? We're going to start from the Jericho top. Versus, Jericho versus Claudio. Uh, yeah. for the Ring of Honor I didn't know I didn't know this is a title match for the world for the Ring of Honor World Championship. I mean I think Claudio has to win. Although when I was looking over this earlier there <laughs> I talked myself into Jericho. I could totally imagine Jericho going to Tony Khan and saying Are you having trouble getting a Ring of Honor TV deal and would it help if I was the champion? <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> like just kind of doing a solid. Yeah. Um, he'd probably have to go even more extreme, like even more like, you know, sports entertainer just to be the total, the total like Ring of Honor is a trash company and i wasting my time being here sort of feel. <laughs> um, but that wouldn't shock me. It would shock me a bit. It would shock me a bit because it would shock I feel you because it's like, not what it's not what you think Triple H. I mean Triple H. What Ring of Honor is gearing up to be, but it's right. But that's sort of the point, right? I mean, I don't know. I think I think I'm going to pick Claudio, but here, but um, 
I could imagine a Jericho a Jericho championship run there. I could see a world where that where that makes sense. I mean, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I mean, I love you know Samoa Joe is one of my favorite wrestlers and ever in life. But like you know, he's a TV champ for a show without a TV deal. You know what I mean? And until Ring of Honor has their own show or their own TV, it's not gonna it's not gonna hit the same. Like it's not gonna really feel like an actual world championship. It's just gonna feel like an intercontinental. It's gonna feel like a secondary title until they have their own TV. So I could definitely see a world where you know Jericho um, scores this upset, but. I, I I I think it's going to be Claudio's match. Um, I think it's going to be a showcase for him in a, in a stadium where he can use a showcase, and you know maybe a maybe a, a a win over a legend like Chris Jericho does more for the ROH title and for Claudio than it does just putting the title on Chris Jericho. So, I mean, unless the Jericho Appreciation Society somehow gets involved, and now we have a feud for that title for the next several months to get some excitement there, uh, which probably would be a smart thing to do now that I talked myself into it. Uh, but I still think Claudio comes out the, the victor here. Yeah, I think that's the safe bet. Uh, Pack versus Orange Cassidy for the Atlantic Championship. I'm glad that Orange is getting another big spot here, and this has obviously been an effective uh, an effective match matchup in the past. Um I don't think that we've told the story that will lead to Pac losing the losing the title, especially with um, you know potential opponents lining up for him. I, I think that he's definitely going to win this thing, but uh, I'm excited to see it go down. What do you got? Yeah, I think um, when Tony Khan came on the show and expressed the European leg of AEW and where they figure to expand. I don't necessarily think. I think they could obviously they're going to keep the title on Pack because it's going to be a traveling championship. He's going to defend it in UK promotions. He's going to be able to be home a lot more. And uh, I don't see Orange Cassidy doing those same sort of travels with the AAC uh, championship. So I'm going to go Pack Pack here. Yeah. Um. All right. Next we got uh, Tony Storm. Sorry for the for anybody for everybody listening to this. I'm sure there was just an edit there, but we just uh, my my three and a half year old just wandered in. So he is. What up, Aubrey? <laughs> He's going to say hi, Aubrey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> he saw really the video. Boost. He just woke up. He saw the video of the kid that went into Hogan's Beach and did the promo contest, the promo off with Hulk Hogan today. And yeah. so hopefully that's inspired him. Um, well, you know, there's many people you can take after. Hopefully not Hulk Hogan, though. <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably true. Um, <laughs> Tony Storm versus Serena Deeb versus Athena versus Britt Baker for the uh, women's championship. I mean, you know, instinct is to say it's a multi-person match. The champions uh, has a good chance of of retaining. Um, I'm not. I don't see Athena or Deeb walking away with it. And Britt Baker might be the right decision, but will just be seen as a step back. I feel like I don't know. I, my, my, I, I'm going to go Tony Storm, but I, I don't feel great about it. I'm not sure why. A, f- a fatal five-way or a five-way dance, a.k.a. who's going to eat four-way? Yeah. Who's going to eat the pin? That is the best game to play. Uh, and I think that's where we're going here. I, I think we stick with Tony Storm. Um, I think she's, uh, you know, like you said, I think Britt Baker doesn't need the championship to stay important, and I think some people do. And uh, I'm not saying Tony Storm doesn't absolutely need 
can't be important without the title. But I do think AEW needs to do a better job of building their women up as legitimate threats um, outside of Jay totally. Cargill. You know what I'm saying? And I think Tony Storm is is kind of the way to go here. So um, I'm going to stick with Tony and say she's going to come out victorious. I'm still perplexed as to how there's four people vying for the women's championship and Jade Cargill doesn't have a stake. Like, would she not want to be involved in this? I, I mean, there's a lot of questions I have with that one. I mean, somebody who's undefeated, who's a woman, I mean, and she's probably your most over female, like, despite what people may say. Uh, why not just even just throw her in there? Like, give the threat, like the threat of this, under, especially in a four-way dance where she doesn't have yeah, to can eat she, a pin. Can she, she not can be the base? Can she not, she not have people, like, doing flips off of her and stuff? Like, it's very strange. Yeah, like... Let her get her shit in, you know what I mean? Like, she doesn't have to eat a pin. There's the threat of becoming a champ champ. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't think there's, I don't think the, the pool is that deep enough to, you know, talk about the TBS title. And on top of that, Athena, you just lost against the TB for the TBS championship. Mm-hmm. How the hell do you get a women's title match at one of know. the biggest shows of the year? I don't know, but I don't know. It is what it is. I got Tony Storm retaining. Here comes the fun stuff. Swerving yes. our glory. You mentioned it earlier. Swerve in our glory against the acclaimed. I mean, the acclaimed have to win after the last match. After after the last time they're after all out when when it was just nutty to say, but like the entire world was united in thinking that they should have called an audible and have the acclaimed win. Um the sort of backup plan seems to have been we'll just put them on it. Uh, a grand slam and you would assume that that means the acclaimed are going to win i don't know but that this feels like the right moment it does feel like that right moment and for that exact reason i don't think they're going to win <laughs> for that exact reason i think we've been we've been seeing uh swerve sort of uh tease the heel turn I think Keith Lee mm-hmm. is still being a little too nice you know what i mean mm-hmm. this entire the entire stadium is going to be behind the acclaimed, right? There's no better way to get some real heel shit going than having Swerve in Our Glory come out on top. And then when you do the acclaimed Swerve three, Swerve and Lee three, that's when you make the choice. But I think there's so wow. there's there's I think there's some sprinkling of some real good heel work. I don't think we really got to see uh, Swerve get into his heel bag, which is really good. I don't think Keith Lee has ever been a heel. Uh, but I think we got some, I think we got some good, I think we got potential to really get people completely behind the acclaimed and really against Swerve and Keith Lee. You know what I'm saying? So you can't have three of your top tag teams as baby faces, in my opinion. You know what I mean? FTRs, mega baby faces. They can turn heel and they can, they can turn, Swerve and our glory can turn heel and still lose. I think so. But I think, I think. I think they don't lose right now. I think they win tonight, and then eventually that turn happens. But okay. the acclaimed will eventually be tag team champions. Well, but I don't think tonight's a, the night. It's hard to argue against AEW and long-term storytelling. Um, anyway, uh, and then the main event, Brian Danielson versus John Moxley for the AEW championship. Um, uh, who you got? John Moxley needs Danielson. a vacation, bro. Yeah, John Moxley needs a vacation. He's he's too old for this shit, as Danny Glover would say, right? Like he's been through a lot. He's had to wrestle for like three more matches than he probably had to before going on a break and doing this incredible summer and holding the company down while Punk was um, you know, recovering from injury. But I just think, you know, all of that stuff that's happened in the past, 
Obviously, Moxley is a safe choice. The best choice is Danielson, though. Like that's the that's where you gotta go. Uh, there's so much story to be told within the Blackpool Combat Club. It's going full circle. The thing started with them fighting. It's gonna culminate with them fighting. And I think, you know, if AEW is the company that is based on we've got the best wrestlers in the world, hard for me to go against Brian Danielson being the best wrestler on the planet at any given moment. Smart decision to put the title on him. I think he comes out on top tonight at at, at Arthur Ashe. I think so, too. I cannot wait to see it. I'm jealous that you're going to be there. Um that's, I can't it's, wait, it's man. It's my it's my first AEW show, man. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm I can't wait to take in the sights and see how it goes. It's gonna be fun. Hopefully, people are nice to me there. <laughs> Report back. Tony Khan has said that this is gonna be his crowning achievement or something. Whatever he he is out there saying this is gonna be like the greatest night in the history of pro wrestling or something. Uh, uh, it, it, We'll see. He's got some tricks yeah. up his sleeve. This is going to be, I don't know. Uh, Once I heard Taz on uh, KJM this morning with Max Kellerman and Keyshawn Johnson, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a big show. This is going to be yeah. serious. You know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah. I'm really excited, man. I, I, and, and you know what? They need it. They need this show to be their biggest show. Right? Like I hope after, it is, man. After what happened at All Out, you know what I mean? Like, and and the, and the media scrum, and you know, we, we want to wash that nasty taste of it out the out, out of our mouths because everybody came out talking about this damn press conference instead of like the actual event. Grand Slam is a perfect way and a perfect time to really get back on the good foot and really get AEW back in the momentous direction. They have this hat for lack of a better term tonight has to be a Grand Slam for them to really get that momentum going. So we'll see how it goes, man. Dude, putting the strap on Danielson is a good first step, you know, towards riding the ship or finding a new, what, a new uh, just perfect place, uh, a new place to sort of, you know, meet the challenges that are going to come from, you know, and to grow the mm. company and everything else. He's this easy, exact right guy for this. And thank goodness he's healthy and and there to do it. Yes, sir. Well, we got to get out of here, uh, and then not uh, pretty quickly. But before we do, we haven't even talked about really, except in passing, Crown Jewel and Logan Paul being there. What's your What's your feeling on Logan Paul challenging Roman Reigns uh, in Saudi? The smartest thing that they can do with Roman Reigns right now, kind of uh, give him a, a big showcase. You know what I mean? And it's really, it's starting to establish. Roman Reigns in the mainstream. You know what I mean? Like, if you're looking at this in a vacuum, you know what I'm saying? The Paul brothers are box office attractions, right? Whether it's boxing, whether it's any fight sport, the Paul brothers and fight sports are synonymous now. So when you can get Logan Paul and the WWE Universal Champion, Undisputed Universal Champion, in a match together, that puts Roman Reigns in the same class as Floyd Mayweather and Anderson Silva. Like, Pretty good class of people to be in when you're talking about combat sports. That being said, um, it makes all the sense in the world. I don't think anybody expects Logan Paul to win the Undisputed Championship, which makes it that much more of an attraction. I think it's going to be a hell of a match. We've kind of already seen that Logan Paul could go, and he's ballsy, and he can do. He will do whatever it takes to sort of like, you know, make a moment at that at that at that show. So. And he's huge in in that market as well, apparently. So 
It's going to be as much as these these crown jewel events have been big. This has potential to be the biggest one. And yeah. good for them, man, because I think it's smart. Yeah, I think it's very smart. And I, and I just like that crown jewel hasn't felt like glorified a glorified house show for like the past two events right like well okay but it's still but it still sort of exists in its alternate universe right and that's and i think that's fine like that's that's exactly the time you should be pulling the trigger on a logan paul match and i right i don't know i think in the saudi verse i guess yeah the saudi verse that nobody that's (laughs) i don't even want to get into it but (laughs) some people some people have have um have wondered aloud about about Paul being part of the war games team, my guess is, and this is not based on anything I know, my guess is he's going to have to be back in camp by then. And it's certainly, if, if he's not already in camp for his next big boxing payday, he's not going to risk that payday by getting inside a cage and, you know, mm. jumping around because he will get or hurt. anything like that. Yeah, he so, it, so this, I think... I, I think this is probably a one-off and I think it's smart. You know, it's the right, it's, it's the diehard fans by and large weren't going to buy a, you know, this is like a real Roman Reigns title defense if it was against somebody more legit. And, and so you put the sort of big name person there. And for all the people out there who are like, what is, what has Logan Paul done to deserve this? And so it breaks kayfabe to put him in this match when Roman Reigns, it's like, no, it doesn't, man. I mean, you can, if somebody of his, if, if Logan Paul walked into the UFC, they would put his match in the semi-main event on the next big pay-per-view, you know, they, or, or the main event, you know, they're CM Punk got featured in UFC. Mm-hmm. The dude couldn't like put a, put on a headlock against anybody he was fighting against, you know? It's not crazy, even in kayfabe, to think that if somebody that famous comes up and talks shit to Roman Reigns, that Roman Reigns wouldn't be just like, okay, come on in the ring. Let me show exactly. you why you're going to... Let me show you why I'm We just you. saw it with Floyd Mayweather. He had no business being in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. Did it anyway, you know what I'm saying? And it was a huge box office draw. So I think this is going to be very similar. I think um, it's going to... It might start the sort of like domino effect to babyface Roman, which I think we've been, I've been, I've certainly been waiting for for a while. Good, bad, or indifferent. Those memes and gifts of Roman Reigns beating the shit out of Logan Paul in the ring are going to live forever because people do not like Logan Paul. A lot of people do like Logan Paul. Even more people don't like him. Even more people will pay to see him get beat up. I'm excited to see how it goes. I am too. And it's going to be, you know, it, it, it certainly makes Crown Jewel a little bit more intriguing than it would have been otherwise. And it also, mm-hmm. well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's just leave it at that, John. Um, all right. You want to get some plugs in on the way out of here? Yes, sir. You know what it is. Say less with Kaz, Loki, and Rosie each and every Monday on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Kazim. We're relaunching our Patreon on patreon.com slash say less. Check that out. Support, support, support. Um, if you haven't, check out our latest episode with Rich Homie Kwan. Fantastic. Uh, and this week, we got Swerve and Our Glory on the pod as well. They're going to come hang out after uh, after Grand Slam. Hopefully, they're still champions by then. So let's see how that goes. And then, um, yeah, man, uh, MSGPM. Every Monday through Thursday, myself, Monica McNutt, uh, check us out. and you Check your local listings for... Uh, um, uh, watching i guess but we're on at 10 p.m eastern time every monday through friday i just had a great time at rangers media day today 
kicking it with all the Rangers, Mika Zibanejad, uh, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, Igor Shostarkin, um, the, the, the toast of the town right now. So uh, appreciate all the support, continue to support it, and uh, you know, make sure you check all that stuff out, man. Uh, you can find me here. You can find me on the press box. And of course, you can find me on the Book of Wrestling. New episode, as mentioned, out today. Part one of As God is My Witness. The episode, the story of um, the Hell in a Cell match between Mick Foley and The Undertaker. Check that out. Please check out all the other shows on the Ring of Wrestling show feed. Cheap Pete and Mac Mania. Mac Mania's got Dax Harwood on this week, which is a really cool interview. Uh, we got our guy Seahawk who oh, wrote Cam, about Dax Cam, Harwood today on the site. Yeah, I was about to say, Cam wrote a great, great piece on Dax Harwood, man, that he showed lots of love to. That was dope. Lots of love. Lots of love to Dax Harwood for hanging out with the Ringer folks, uh, both uh, audio and, and, and written side. Um, and uh, yeah, check all that stuff out. Be sure to check out all of our great um, War Games uh, coverage earlier in the week. There's some really cool stuff, as I mentioned before, by Phil Schneider, Oliver Lee Bateman, and myself. Um, please enjoy Grand Slam tonight. If something nutty happens, we might be back. So I might have to talk about it later on in the week. But anyway, if not, thanks as always to our babyface producer, John Kerma. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. And have a nice vacation, hopefully, John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Peace. Peace.